Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. I'm back today with my great friend and leader in the American movement, Matt Schlapp. Matt Schlapp, you know, is chairman and CEO of the American Conservative Union, which sponsors CPAC, which is coming up, uh, I think, next week. That's right. Uh, we're here to talk about Matt's powerful new book, The Desecrators, subtitled Defeating the Cancel Culture Mob and Reclaiming One Nation Under God. It's a book flat out about patriotism and faith and their enemies. And Matt put it pretty well as he writes in his introduction, the country we pledge allegiance to and the truths to which we adhere are being attacked by evil forces that hate both America and the church. Our country was formed in the crucible of a Christian culture, and no nation on earth should be better complement to the many moral, these, these many moral teachings that shape the Western world. Yet today, the so-called progressive left wants to bring all that to an end. Matt, well spoken, well said. The title, The Desecrators, how'd you come up with that? Well, I give a lot of credit to this book to my co-author, Deal Hudson, who is somebody who, as a, a, a former academic and someone who got involved in politics to help George W. Bush and others and help Donald Trump substantially, he called me one day and he said, this cancel culture thing, because he had approached me on writing the book with the publisher. And he was like, you, you've been canceled. You understand cancel culture. You got to tell your story. I was like, I don't have time to tell my story. He's like, well, I'll help you tell your story. That's how we got the book. And then he called one day as we were writing these chapters and he was like, this is more diabolical than just cancel culture. Cancel culture is, you know, you have a political view. It's outside the mainstream or I think it's outside of the mainstream. I have power. I'm going to silence you. He said, this is much deeper than that. And what we came to realize as we were writing is that everything that's good, that's true, that's holy, that's inspirational, that brings human joy, it's under attack right now in a coordinated fashion. How could that be that everything that is transcendent and good and decent about life is on the ropes because of what the left is doing? Desecrator means what? To me, that's a more of a, much more of a spiritual definition. Okay. It's the idea of not I have an opinion, you have an opinion, but it's about think of what someone does to a holy site. Yeah. You try to desecrate it because you know how powerful it is in people's lives and you want to kind of like remove its sacredness. Well, you and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, this is, this is sort of the conversation we've had over dinners over the past couple of years. It's not clear that the so-called progressive left knows what it wants to progress to. In fact, there's a great term, I think the Russians first came up with it, called nihilist. And it, they're not people that want to build anything. They just want to tear everything down and destroy. And if you look through the agenda of the people who are up against uh, Occupy Wall Street was the first iteration, and now we've got Black Lives Matter, and I'm sure there'll be another iteration after Black Lives Matter. You look at what their objectives are, it's to end marriage, end the family, um, end capitalism, uh, end sort of the Western way of life and, and the church and Christianity. 
but nowhere do you really find that page that tells you what they want, what they want to build, what they're pushing towards. And so to me, this thing has to bankrupt itself because there's no Valhalla out there they're aiming for. They just want to destroy all the things that, that, that uh, you, you know, you call desecration. That's exactly right. And uh, I love what Sarah Carter said when I was on her podcast. She kept calling it the great, uh, the defecators. <laughs> and I was like, well, that, that, is, a, that is a synonym well. to what they're basically doing. <laughs> they are really trying to, it was kind of funny. They All are right. really trying to. Well, she's more red meat than I am. She is, she is. She, she speaks like a real person. But you know, so you, do I. If you think about this, Bill, um, uh, you and I have talked about this several times, which is, one of the reasons why people who are conservative, which we're going to get into why that term might not be as operable, but for the sake of polling, it is operable because that's what we have called ourselves for a couple of decades since Reagan, since Buckley. We're the conservatives, right? Uh, we're the traditionalists and uh, we're the people attached to our history. And if you look at the polling, we are the biggest subset in America, enduring over time. Sometimes some years it registers a few points higher. Some years it registers a few points lower. The smallest subsection of America are these socialists. Now, how is it that all the conservatives act like we're the smallest and the nichiest, right? And we have the fewest numbers. And the socialists act like they have the most numbers. We have to start actually using the power that we already have. Speaking about numbers, I'm going to have to double your number. Okay, good. Um, Mercedes Schlapp just walked in. That's you good. Know Mercedes? I do know her. Uh, the, the other <laughs> half and the brains of the group. Mercedes, why don't you come on in and join us? This is, uh, uh, Mercedes was off, I think, helping her kids with midterms. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we're, the midterms has become a family project, I want you to know. Okay. So miraculously, <laughs> Mercy Schlapp has appeared. Mercy, great to see you. I need you to move closer, Bill. <laughs> you, you and Sarah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you, I think you two know each other. Uh, oh, it, hi. I haven't seen you, honey. It's been a long time. Yeah, anyway, been a long time. Mercy's been helping out uh, with midterm exams, and so she got in here. How'd we do? Well, they, we'll see how they do. They, they've, they've been hanging in there. It's a stressful time for these teenagers for so many reasons. I mean, Bill, just even the fact that they've survived this COVID mania is insane because you've seen uh, the mayor of D.C. They go to school in D.C. We've got five girls. Five girls, One, one's, in Notre one's Dame off now. to college, and yeah. two are, go to school in an all-girls Catholic school in D.C. And when you're talking about mask mandates and vaccine mandates and just the psychological impact that it's having on all these kids, it's, let me tell you, it's they're going to have long-lasting, I think, negative effects on them. And, you know, so part of this is really trying to make sure that you provide that support to them, um, you know, even pray with them before even just midterm exams, because things have been so chaotic in their lives for the past few years. For a woman who needs no introduction, let me give you a brief one. <laughs> She's the co-host of America Uncanceled. The other, the other host is sitting right here with us, yeah. and you were a very big deal in the Trump White House and the Trump campaign. And, uh, no and now lot, I'm a big no deal as a midterm exam, like, tutor. That's Proctor. what I feel like, okay? Schlapp had to take over this morning because I think I was more stressed out than the girls. And I was like, Matt, you just got to manage them. I can't. Like, it's, it's your job. Do you know what I taught them, Bill? My first rule. We all have rules, right? My first rule in life is don't panic. And what I've noticed is that actually is a rule we all need to rediscover because for 18 months, everyone panicked constantly mm -hmm. and hyperventilated. And 
I don't know many situations. Maybe if you have to get your endorphins up or kick in your, you know, uh, well, the chemicals I, I, inside I, your brain. I don't know how that I, ever helps. I, I, I so agree. We we keep a sign over here in the other part of the studio. Maybe Kenny could find it. Uh, oh, it was, keep it was calm. In, I saw it. It was in. It was, it was in the yeah. it was in the it's in the shelter in London where Winston yeah. Churchill yeah. conducted the war effort, and this is one of my favorites, and it's pretty close to yours. Yep. Keep calm and carry on. That's right. I gotta text that to the girls before they take their exam. <laughs> let me tell you. And when you're married to a Cuban, Bill, and you spent enough, well, you you're and Sarah, the Cuban, yeah. yeah, you and Sarah spend a lot of time with with both of us and with our children. I I feel like I'm always panicking, so I don't really. <laughs> No, no, no you're just, just more emotional. I would just say you're very high energy. You're not Jeb Bush. It's a high energy. That's okay. Well, I remember you tell the story in your book about meeting Trump and how you were there with uh, Dan Schneider and yeah. with another board member to pitch Trump on supporting uh, yeah. ACU. And the other board member who was unnamed in the book didn't want to pitch the ACU idea. He wanted to pitch Jeb Bush as a candidate. Oh, yeah, no. And what did Donald Trump say about Jeb Bush? He's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed much. <laughs> yeah. That was your first meeting with him, right? That was actually uh, Mr. Anna Navarro, uh, Al Cardenas, who was the chairman before me, who has now gone on to marry the one of the co-hosts of The View and become quite liberal in his politics. Yeah, sadly. But yeah, no, the, uh, that was, that was, that was a, a meeting for the ages. And of course, the best parts of those meetings <laughs> I can't really say because I do have some... Uh, comportment and dignity about myself and i do consider donald trump a friend as well as a great president and he says says great things some of them should not end up in books and I, <laughs> bill i don't know if you all have talked about this but you know obviously with no, these, we're just we're just getting started oh we are okay yeah. um with the allegations that you have the clinton campaign spying on the trump campaign who knew what did hillary clinton know which i predict she knew exactly what was going on and what they did to try to not only cancel President Trump, then candidate Trump, um, but to create these false narratives about him. It just shows you how corrupt the political system has become and what the Democrats will do. They will do anything they can to not only destroy the other side, but also um, like just to break it all down, even if it's illegal acts. And that to us, I think, has really, I think in this past week that we've been talking about it, it just shows their hatred for Donald Trump was to do everything they can to stop him, destroy him, discredit him, and now I think it's all backfiring. Can I can I can I amplify that a little bit, Bill? I I know they hate Donald Trump for all kinds of reasons, but I think what the book gets into is that Trump is part of it. They had a lot of people. Uh, they're trying to cancel and destroy a lot of people, and we use this term desecration because I think at the end of it, the reason why they hated Trump the most. Is because he got the joke. He knew what they were all about. He knew exactly what they were trying to do. He knew how sinister it was. I don't know if he's a particularly religious guy, but he got the fact that they're going to crush everybody that gets in their way. And he'd watched them crush so many people. And then he was experiencing it with himself and his family. And so to me, the reason why Trump is such an enemy to these people is not because of Twitter and not because of an affair or a divorce or a bankruptcy. There's nothing to do with it. The reason is they have nothing on him. They made up things that they thought they could leverage him over. They got no ability. They can't cancel his financial security. They can't cancel uh, this career that he's had, his fame. They couldn't stop him. 
And the only way in the end they could stop him is, you know, this incredible tale of Russian collusion, two impeachments, and then an election with fraudulent voting. And handing everything to the FBI. And then the FBI running with it. That's the so, that's such a disgusting part of this complicated network that we're seeing. Yeah, what we've learned about the saying. infiltration of our institution yep. is really, yes. really a problem. Uh, this is the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Matt and Mercy Schlapp. And ostensibly, we're here to talk about Matt's book, uh, The Desecrators, although I suspect we're going to talk about everything under the sun. Um, I hope so. Let me, let me ask you guys a question. I've got a, a colleague from my old world of being CEO of a New York of a publicly traded financial. He runs, a, he runs another one. He's on the left. And he sent me a note after one of the shows. He said, a lot of your guests are for Trump. And you did a show on ethics. And how can you do a show on ethics if you're for Donald Trump? And I haven't gotten back to him yet because I'm just <laughs> trying to, it's sort of a delicious right. uh, setup for me. How would you answer that question? Because I would first start thinking about Joe Biden's ethics and maybe the $35 million he's gotten from various foreign countries. And, and, but it, it, I'd like to paraphrase Jesus Christ to uh, George <laughs> W. Bush. One said was his favorite okay, philosopher. This is a good, that's the ultimate appeal to authority. Be, beware <laughs> the man who is fasting and wears a gaunt look on his face. Beware the man that is involved in deprivations and walks around with, uh, you know, uh, grubby clothes and like uh, a bad look on his face. Those people that are portraying piety and holiness and ethics are oftentimes the biggest frauds. This is the oldest story of the human story. And the Bible and Jesus captures it perfectly. Sometimes the holiest person. Do you person, remember which book? I want to. I it's, all to quote <laughs> it's all we'll over. It's all over the New Testament. This it's is all the problem with the, the Catholics. We never know like exactly what oh, yeah, reading is. Read so we got to go back. We're really good with saints and like the Virgin well, Mary. Well, I think but a when pretty comes... good quote is "Beware the Pharisees." Yeah, right? These yeah. were the supposedly the uh, rigorous religious men who were the examples. And Jesus's point was. He'd rather hang out with Mary Magdalene, who had basically been a prostitute, uh, than hang out with these phony uh, people who were supposedly so ethical. So I think in life, um, I've come to the point where, you know, I, 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 I'm really skeptical as to who these paragons of virtue are. And what we put up as the paragon of virtue in Republican politics is, <laughs> do they have good hair and a red tie? One marriage, okay, maybe Ronald Reagan had two. Um, do they have these beautiful kids who are perfect and oh look my, perfect oh my in the God, photo? You're describing Mitt Romney. Exactly. <laughs> Stop. Exactly. Oh, he has crazy. all Stop. the outside appearances of morality, yet he is aiding and abetting. He marches with Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He marched for not for abortion for nine months. Yeah. And that uh, is unforgivable to me. He was pro-abortion. Just he was clear. Well, yeah. and, and Biden's pro-abortion and Kamala's pro-abortion and they're, they're extreme in their policies. I think when it comes to I think we always talked about this. We always said, you know, Trump is not he's not a churched person. Right. He has a lot of flaws. But did he do the right things? Did he implement the right policies to help America and to help Americans prosper? We did not elect. We weren't looking to elect a priest or the Pope, or someone like that. We needed a doer who can come in 
and basically break the China in Washington. And that's actually kind of interesting. Good. He, not broke, only, he broke two it's not Chinas. only the China plates, but, you know, China. He broke the And that's where yeah. he Beginning broke, to. That's where I, they got rid of him. That's we've right. both have spent a lot of time with the president. And, you know, of course, like, you know, do you wish he would tweet less or, 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 or not be so, you know, just trying to attack someone personally? Yes, I would like that. I, I advised him plenty of times not to do that. But I also recognize that he was willing to take on the fight. He was doing what he could to be the voice of those that needed help and, and that were the forgotten men and women. And he did a fabulous job for our country. And he got You the- look at Biden. Biden could be the most ethical person, but he is destroying America in the process. But, but we're not saying that. Right. So this goes back to your friend, Hillary Clinton. What's ethical about spying on the Trump campaign and making these false accusations? So I think that, you know, I think going back to your friend, it's like it's figuring this out of these candidates are not perfect or these presidents are not perfect. But what are they doing? Well, we don't have a perfect president. Right. Anywhere, anytime, ever. Never have had. Never have. But, you know, I come from the world of the MBA world, finance, CEO world. There's a tremendous book called The Effective, Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. Do you ever read it or hear about I've it? I've read a lot of Drucker. Well, his point was that you've got, you measure people by their effectiveness, by what they bring about. You're measured by results. And so you can, he said, the, I've, I've, I've interviewed 53,000 CEOs, I exaggerate, but he's, he knew everybody. And he says they're fat, they're tall, they're sober, they're drunk, um, you know, they're white, they're black, whatever. And they're all, they all have something that's effective that doesn't depend on who they are. They just know how to make things happen. And that's why I think Trump is one of our best presidents ever, because mm-hmm. if you look at what he accomplished in four years, it's staggering. And he did, I'm telling you that. Yeah, and he, <laughs> did, he did run the White House, and, and I would say the I don't think I would have wanted to work for him. You guys did. I think he would have oh, been very tough. Oh, you would have loved Would he be fun? Oh, Bill, okay. you would have loved every moment, every he wouldn't challenge, have liked working every debate. For some of those nitwits he put yeah. in his senior positions. probably wouldn't have enjoyed no, that. No, you but. would have loved it, because <laughs> with him, with Trump, with everything good and bad, he was he loved his job, and he had fun in the most in oh, the like most that. challenging of times and he yeah. was able to just just deal with every crisis that would come his way and so i i i you would have loved working with him but i think you know we're we're facing with this challenge we're facing the challenge of where we are now you know as a country where we're headed and it is just simply unethical to move this country towards a socialist country that literally destroys the spirit of every american and that, to me, is the biggest argument you can make. That is unethical. Taking away someone's freedom, you know, canceling them because they have an opinion or a dissenting opinion, like they've done to these doctors who simply question simple things, whether it be the vaccine or the mask mandate, and they get shut down. Fired. That is unethical. This is America where we're big enough to have diverse opinions and challenge each other and talk about um, your view versus that other person's view. And that is what I think is is what we're losing in this country Well, this right may now. be one of the places to bring up what I admire about the two of you so much is you've gone through personal hell in the last year. 
after yeah. after Biden two came years. in. Feels like two a lot years. longer than years. a year. Okay, but yeah, well, you're right. No, yeah. I mean, if, don't worry. Matt's th- hair has been white for a long time, but yeah, it's been about two years of, of pain, <laughs> and you've and you all have experienced it with us. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you all have been there when we've hit the you know the tough times. We hit the skids. Well, you know, the you know, they've got an enemies list of people who work for Trump. They're not supposed to hire people that work for Trump. Yeah. You're on that list, yes. and that's still something. I'm that's on out the there. Antifa ex- ex- um, execution list. That's always interesting too. I mean. That's the stuff they do. They send death threats, and this is what we deal with. And you've had people in your neighborhood come up to you and your kids and and tell you you're terrible people. I don't know what else they've said, but it's been a very, very It's kind of a weekly thing. It's a (laughs) weekly existence in the swamp. And then you had a consulting business basically advising big companies on on how to deal with the Trump world. And, you know, it's a— And Republicans. And and Republicans, and it's a—you know, it's it's a—they need help like that, but they won't touch you now. No, they hired a blogger. Uh, I have my own opinions on who hired and paid for the blogger, but the blogger went to each one of these Fortune 100 entities, companies, and basically said you have a racist uh, who you employ, and uh, you either fire him or we're going to call you every day and call you out publicly. And so a lot of these people who had hired me were my friends, and they would say, don't worry, we're going to – we know Stick you're not a racist. You, yeah. And then, like, by Tuesday, <laughs> you know, I was getting pink slips left and right. And by the way, it just took one – and I think the first one might have been Abbott Labs, the one that produced all these tests that are so phony that all we have to take constantly, and they have 50% error rates and everything else. But Abbott had this real hard-charging CEO, might still have them, and a general counsel. And you know they were called by Black Lives Matter, and they have this whole and by statement. The of, yeah. They have this whole statement about how they stand for Black Lives Matter, and they don't want to have anything to do with me. So essentially, in that in that case, you're called a racist and then i portray in the book other people who called me and said we're letting you go because we believe in racial equality and um you know i try not to use names because this isn't a gossipy book but why did i write that all out well because i needed to do it for my own kind of spiritual uh purposes but i also did it because i just wanted everyone to know out there that like this is happening on every block in america whether you're a mailman or a CEO or an NBA player like Enos Freedom or or that woman in Levi's a, in Levi's right, company yeah, they, through the yeah, brand, we're trying the brand to pay her off to shut or, up or the coach who says no I'm not going to teach the kids uh, that you know uh, they're in the wrong gender or whatever like all of this has been going on this kind of insanity and I just wanted them to understand that uh, if I can say it and have the consequences for saying what I said. They could do it, too. Well, I want to just make sure that it's on record, which is why we're talking about this right now. The price you guys have paid, and instead of knuckling under, you doubled you doubled down. Yes. And right. you, you redoubled your effort. So instead of running off and saying, gee, I didn't mean any of that, you write a book like this. Which is stupid. I mean, if I, <laughs> it is. If I was smarter, I would have said, I'm when that stupid. first person called. He's very honest, Phil. you got to get No, but I know. I know. If the first person called and they said, all you have to do is apologize for what you said. And I, and I, don't, I don't put all the tweets in the book. But if I, if I were to go through all the tweets, if I had the capability to go find them, the which tweet I really don't have. You. No, the tweets that I sent on Black Lives Matter wasn't even okay. on television. Which was literally getting from the Black Lives Matter website how they don't believe in nuclear family, how they believe in defunding the police, how they believe in pretty much late-term abortion, and 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 bringing that up and, and it was, highlighting that. And it was that. all on their website. And then all, all on their of a sudden, yeah, I've, I've looked at the racist. website. Yeah. And then one company decided because Schlatt made a critical comment about Chris, uh, uh, basically saying Christopher Columbus shouldn't be canceled, and they're like... Well, I mean, you know, Christopher Columbus is a bad guy, and so, you know, we have to 
we have to fire you. The best was that one guy who like fires you and then says, can we still be friends? And Matt Schlapp was like, absolutely not. That is not what I said. Well, what did you say? It was a lot more colorful. Okay. And I was very clear that you wouldn't want to well, be- Well, this is only going to be on CPAC now streaming, <laughs> so you're, you're among hey, friends. Bill, we get more views than CNN, so <laughs> get true. with it. I know. It's I'm part of that. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. So the, what, the, the point is, is this, and I, I bring this up in the book, which was the very fact that after he fired me for being a racist, that he then texted me to resume the friendship that was proof of the fact that he knows I'm not a racist. He was simply following the bidding of his higher-ups yeah. who didn't wanted to be rid of this meddlesome priest, to quote a historical uh, illusion. So the, 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 I, was, I was a problem for them. I was creating disharmony within their corporate structure. But my point back to several of them who would listen was, hey, look, I get it. I'm just a consultant. You can Consultants come and go, fine, you get rid of me. I was like... But how are you ever going to give a pack check to a Republican again? Mm. Because eventually everyone's going to figure out what this whole Black Lives Matter thing is. Which they and have. And we're going to have a lot of dead yeah. people on the streets when when these cities defund their cops, which is exactly what happened. And well, now we they? realize the extremism of it. And now what did they do next, Bill? Uh, well, I want to circle back into this with what you're saying with the book and the desecrator and the and the nihilist and what a word that Sarah. He's going to change used. the name of your book, sweetie. This is the Bill Walton. This is the Bill Walton show. I'm here with Matt and Mercy Schlapp. We're talking. We're ostensibly talking about his book, which everybody should buy, the desecrators, because it tells the truth about what's going on. Uh, but eventually, these people are going to they're going to run out of bullets because they've got racism, racism, racism. That's right. And my favorite word's nihilist. You you like desecrator, but basically this is a term for people who want to destroy, 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 and they don't have any plan for what they want to build. Mm -hmm. And even though we're hearing these words progressive, I don't see what kind of world they want to build. It it doesn't exist. And so destroy, destroy, destroy. Eventually, people are going to say, "Wait a second, uh, who's that little guy behind the curtain?" You got powerful laws of racism. At some point, I think even people are going to start pushing them back against this racism term. Well, well, this was the point, which is, okay, so they can cancel me. But then the next step will be you won't be able to write a pack check to Ted Cruz or Mike Lee or Jim Jordan or more moderate Republicans, right, who are going to be. So what was the next thing that happened? We had this terrible election, this election with all this fraudulent voting, which we saw firsthand. And uh, what was the, what did they do to the 147 Republicans in the House and the Senate who were simply doing one thing. They were standing up for the legal use of voter ID to vote. That's all that was. They can say, you know, trying to break an election and everything else. It wasn't. It was the fact that nobody has the right to discard voter ID laws. So then they said they wouldn't give those 147 Republicans pack checks. And it's hundreds of companies that said they wouldn't do that. So literally, they defunded the cops, and then they defunded any Republican who stood against Black Lives Matter and getting rid of voter ID because that is, of course, racist because everything is racist now. And so now you have the situation where the American people who outnumber this woke, crazy mob have clearly said, even in the state of Virginia, we have had it with all this. What do you think the numbers are? What percentage of Americans do you think are with us on all this? I'd say the percentage of Americans who are done with wokeness is in the middle 60s. Mm. That's interesting. They're not Republican only. Because you're out, you're out talking with yeah, people just, all over the country you, you all the really time. You are starting to see the trend shift where independents 
are waking up to the reality of what the Democrats are trying to accomplish. We just saw this in California. It was announced a little bit ago where three of the progressive school board members have been ousted. Mm -hmm. So it is. Can I, can I just interrupt you? Yes. And the person who funded that. Yes. Called us yesterday at yeah. CPAC. He wants to come. Yeah. This is what's happening all over the country, which I don't know how Republican all these people are. But they, we have this common thing, which, which is parents matter. And Matt mentioned that we really are. We, we want to move even beyond conservative to just simply being America. It's the America movement. It is the <laughs> we need to protect this country because we're we're the last man. I'm using gender. We're the last man standing. It's OK. You can use if gender. If we fall apart, Bill, the world falls apart. What takes over? Who takes over the, in that vacuum? China and Russia. And they've made it very clear as when, pre, pre, when Putin met with President Xi during the Olympics to say, we have formed an alliance and criticized the United States relentlessly. So that is where we are at this point. Are we going to be able to survive as a nation, be strong enough to be able to defend ourselves against the growing powers of Russia and China? That's what we have to realize. Well, when I talked, when we, when I was writing this introduction, I, I came up with the standard thing, conservative movement. That's not what we are. Not we've moved. We're I so mean, my, my term that. is it's my so term expanded. is the American cause. Yes, that's right. Yes, because you're right. We stand for something. We're an exceptional country, not because we've got lots of wealth. We're exceptional because we're based on ideas and we're based we're based on the Constitution. And we're based in faith. That's unusual. Yep. And, and, I, I, I have a way of saying it. It's not unique. I yeah. say we are Americans who love America's founding. Okay. Because that's what's under attack. This whole idea that the founding of America was a dark mark on the history of, of humanity. Have you gotten it? You guys get out and about. Do you've gotten anybody debates with anybody on 1619? Have you had a chance to take that one on? Well, I haven't been invited on CNN recently. So. No, we've just run into people. Yeah, you that guys are get to supportive. do the shout <laughs> Sorry, what'd you we've say? We've just been around a lot of people that have been very supportive and are actually get very emotional at times, Bill. I mean, we've had people cry with us, where they're like, "We are losing this country. Like, what does this mean for my grandkids? What does this mean for my children?" Um, and so they really are looking for ways to get involved. And it really, I think, one of the things that we've learned with all what happened in Loudoun County in Virginia is that these local elections matter. It's got to start locally. Um, and, and you're seeing people get involved in politics that they were like, I was, I never thought I'd run for office, but I'm going to run for office now because I want to be a voice and I want to you know, do good in my community. And I think that that is inspirational to see Americans really become part of you know, the political process. Because I think a lot of times people don't want to get into politics because they are like, you know, it's, I, don't, well, I don't know it. Well, the I, Democrats have been the party of government, and right. that's their business model. Mm -hmm. That's what they do, and all the money comes from government. We're not. We're bad yeah. at government. We don't want to do it. But we know we have to participate in the political process because politics is going to impact us from the, the local level to the national level, right? So that's part of where you're seeing people that never— the one thing Trump did bring in were new voices— and people, like, my sister's a perfect example. Never been a political person. Always been in, like, media and advertising. And all of a sudden, she has her own group of 400 patriots that she can contact at any time because she loves what the president has done and knows what's at stake in this country. And those are the type of people, this organic movement of people that are saying, I'm part of this America cause. And I think that that's, um, that's really inspirational for us. I mean, it really is. Well, we're right at lines of action. Your last chapter in the book is called Summing Up and Getting Serious. And my favorite first subhead is, 
it is as bad as you think. <laughs> it is. Good point, Schlapp. <laughs> except, yes. except the new reality so you can change it. Yeah. I think the big problem that conservatives have and conservative leaders have is we have these lofty notions of the way life should be. And it's fine to talk about that. It's good to read books about our history and the way things were. There's great songs about the way things were, but I just don't want to spend much time on it. We have to understand what they've done, what their tactics were to destroy and take over these institutions, what their aims are. And the biggest problem we have is, and we talk about it in the book, and I keep saying we because Mercy was such a big part of this book, but this whispering and this idea that we have to be quiet and we can't speak too loudly because we might offend somebody. Uh, if we're if a white guy's talking about race, we have to use hushed tones. If someone of color walks in because they're going to assume that we have animus towards them, we have to stop all that. That has been decades and decades of us not feeling like we have a voice that matters or that it can be canceled. So this cancel thing started a very long time ago, and that simply has to happen. And what conservatives have to do is stop talking about the past, and they start talking about the present. We have to start doing that right now, so we're going to lose the country. Well, I always there's all this rhetoric that conservatives have used in the past: restore, recreate, re you know, renew, sort of re re yes. re, and it's all looking backwards. We've got to look forward. Yes, yes. I mean, even our Constitution, which we love, most people don't know about. So we even need to talk about that in a way that talks about what it really does: is it recognizes that people are not angels. And you need a form of government to keep power from concentrating into a few hands. That's right. Which is where we are right now. That's right. With what with, with, with and every is. time you see and we power, talk about you don't like what's going on. You got to break up the power structure. Well, this is right. Every time you see power accumulating, I sound in a like way, a nihilist. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that kind of nihilism is good for at least a couple of days. But the uh, but when you see power converging around something, and it seems fairly strange, like the social media phenomenon or the masking and the vax mandates, you know that, that there's something wrong. There's like, something we're wrong. American in our souls. Like We know that there's something yeah. wrong about yeah. that, that that can be used uh, in a tyrannical way, which is exactly what they've done in every one of those occasions. It's so manipulative, and it's so disturbing. And I was talking to a mom yesterday that called me and said, I mean, can't people just see it? Can't they just see it? They're trying to control like your health decisions. They're trying to tell you that you've got to not only put two shots in your five-year-old, but three shots, because that's what Fauci is saying. They have these kids in masks. I mean, I can tell you stories of Lucia, her best friend, Alicia, so scared of taking off her mask in school. And even the because CDs. She's, and, and that's what that's they right. created, fear in these kids. And so it's interesting, because in studying midterms with the girls, um, one of the girls is taking his, history, and there's this whole concept about the Republican motherhood. And it was that the women back in the time, this was in the early 1800s, they would be home with the kids to basically teach them about Americanism and the Constitution. And we have that responsibility as parents to sit down with our kids and explain. But we what gave it up. We have given it up. We gave we it up. We handed it over we to the We were told we weren't accredited system. and certified. Yeah. And we don't know as much as these smart people. Yeah. We should back off and let them do it. That was the biggest mistake we made. It was the biggest mistake is giving up the schools and not being part of that process. Well, in your phrase, it is as bad as you think. When you get to the schools, it's not just the teachers' unions, the school boards, it's the textbook publishers. Yes. yes. It's the consultants. You know That's this. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the it's it's all these forces that are out there that are just fine with things the way they are. That's mm -hmm. right. And so we got a we got a lot of uh, a lot of demons to slay to, to take back education. You guys but it starts in the home. Like, I really believe that part of this is the battle of, you know, 
you know, this is where we feel very strongly like teaching the kids about our faith, getting them to church, praying together as a family. Now, Matt tells you, tells us, and you've seen this, Phil and Sarah, they've, we don't watch TV. We sit and read. Like we literally, as a family, sit and read and talk and pray, and we have fun. Like they're, the kids are playing the guitar. They're, and that is, we got to bring that back to the family. It is like shutting out a little bit the, the outside world that's trying to just pound these kids with these really negative messaging about themselves and about racism and all this stuff and really talk through what is the history of our country. Yes, there are dark periods of time in our history, but we also have to acknowledge that as, as an imperfect country as we are, we've made a lot of progress. And, and, and we got to find a way that we all love each other and work together and, and know what our, the cause is, going back to the American cause. So we, uh, we uh, in, the, in the opening letter in the book, I talk about our bishop, our priest, our pastor. And our pastor said something which I thought was great. He said, we've become a society that tolerates everything and forgives nothing. Which I think is really profound when you think about it. Everything's fine. It's fine to do everything. But if, if someone, if any of us does anything wrong, we tolerate everything and we, we forgive, forgive nothing. nothing. If any of us who say we're conservative or <clears throat> Christian or whatever do anything wrong, which by the way, we do things that are wrong all day long, which is what our human condition is, we then have put ourselves in the penalty box. So my co-author and I were having this conversation about why was Donald Trump so toxic for living his big playboy Manhattan lifestyle? Why did that, was that was so glorified? My whole childhood, those were the coolest cats in the room. Then all of a sudden he decided to be in politics, and now all the moralizers came out and said, what a horrible guy, what a terrible guy. He's a selfish guy, he's a rich guy. And we thought about this as we were writing the book. We we're like, that's the way it works for anybody who wants to be a Republican or a conservative or, excuse me, someone who loves America, is you step, you have one foot fault, we will end you. And what we have to start doing is when they end us, we just simply have to not be ended. And so well, why did I write that book? Because they ended me. I was done. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, I could do what everyone does. Take a month off. Don't say a word. I've known you for a while. You're not done. I'm not done. <laughs> and I thought, well, let's yeah. double down on this thing. Okay. You say I'm a bad guy and I've committed a foot fault and I'm immoral for all these reasons. Guess what? Again, uh, I get to write, I get to write uh, my version of events. And guess what? Uh, I think I win in the uh, end on this. I, I encourage everybody to read this. This is a fact, you know, summing up and getting serious. You've got one subtitle here reciprocity republicans and conservatives cannot be the only victims yeah. that's right and trump taught us this as well which is so we get into office versus you worked for president trump you were on the transition we get into office and what happens <laughs> within a nanosecond there will be a special counsel and an ethics investigation it's happened to every national republican since spiro agnew it's in their book of tricks so you know it's coming your way. And what do we do in face of investigation? We start to cower. We, yeah. we hire lawyers. We, we say we no comment when they say the worst things about us. It's what all Republicans do. And they get into office, and they actually commit outrageous unconstitutional infractions. Certainly every president that's been around since I've been alive, maybe not Jimmy Carter. Uh, and what do we do in that face? We say, wait, 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 wait. We should be fair about this. You know, let's we'll have an, the authorities should look at it, but we don't press too hard in because there's an unwritten rule in Washington for Republicans. It's a Democratic town. Republicans better tread carefully when it comes to these questions of ethics. And I think another thing that Trump taught us is to say, stop doing that. When they come after you for something little, why don't you go after them twice as hard for what they did that was big? Yeah, the yes. counter, the counterpunch. Mm -hmm. That's right.
this is uh, Bill Walton show. We're talking with Mercy and Match Lap about about what are we talking about Everything. here? About taking back our country <laughs> if we can. This report that came out that showed there really was spying on on the Trump yeah. campaign really was it really did happen. They really did penetrate the servers of the White House. They it really did. did do all that. Do you think this is going to have any effect? Well, I sent a tweet out this morning thanking uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the Biden team for selling out all the premium tickets at CPAC because <laughs> there is great enthusiasm for this idea that everything they accused us of being, they are. They yeah. accused us of breaking all these rules and for Trump to being this extraordinary lawbreaker while he was president. But what you really see here is proof through the 17 pages or 27 pages of this initial document. By the way, this document is only public because one of the defendants wants to change their counsel. And that is why we had this first uh, public description of what Durham has. This is not even a first step. Yeah. This is a tiny little baby step. Yeah. He's got a lot more to come out behind it. And he's been methodical, I think almost too methodical. So what the left wing is Did now- Did he have a lot of this before the election, do you believe? My guess is yes. And that's how we play the game, let's face it. We don't do things like withhold a vaccine but, before an election because yeah. it might help our the other and side. That was the talk. We don't do things like exactly. that. Exactly. They that's, do. That's the talk of like the pharmaceutical company holding the vaccine. And we have very good uh, source on this, holding the vaccine before the election coming out. I mean, it is all politically calculated. It was all about getting rid of Donald Trump. And I think when it comes to... Um, this story on Hillary spying on the Trump campaign and, and, the, and the White House. Uh, what I'm concerned about is the media, mainstream liberal media's role in not covering this. We saw them botch the Hunter Biden story so badly. And now I think this is going to be part two, where they will focus on everything else, try to continue to hit Donald Trump, because that's, their, that's the person they're always focused on, and not cover this in an objective way. Um, and so that's why it's so important for us to continue to, you know, talk about this report, talk about how corrupt this Clinton campaign was, and really digging down on who knew what in terms of But it of doesn't stop spying. with the Clinton campaign, right? So the ball is carried by the Clinton campaign. Handed over to the FBI. These, right, through and these. And the CIA. And these government contractors. Right. So this went well into the Trump administration yeah. obviously turned into the fight so, but it looks like the 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 obama white house was helping him on this. that's right sure does and all that all that information inside the white house servers was all part of this. and who was barack obama's vice president goodness so you you start to un unpeel <clears throat> this uh onion and uh you realize that there's quite a cabal that was very well aware of the steps they were taken and i think the republican party has been very sheepish in making these charges. I was on Twitter yesterday. I called for Jake Sullivan to immediately resign. Here's a person who was one of the top advisors to the Hillary Clinton campaign, came out publicly and said that Trump was aligned, was colluding with Russia right. through this bank. And uh, and now he's sitting over there at the White House? As a and national security advisor. How does that happen? Yeah. How, how, how is there not just a cacophony of voices saying he must step down now? Yeah. We've got a couple of minutes left. The elephant in the room. Donald Trump. Right. What happens next? Are you going to go? Are no, you, you can go because you, you have, go? like, we have a little bit of a different opinion. I don't know. You go first. Yeah. You, know, you mean in terms of running for president, Bill? Yeah. It's well, a question in everybody's mind. I mean, if, you know. First of all, I, I told you that CPAC is selling out thanks to all these 
dark forces and the American people saying, wait, maybe it is as bad as I think it is. And Donald Trump's going to be there. And uh, he's it might be the first time that he really addresses some of these allegations. And uh, I think he's very fired up to know that his administration could have been spied on for all four years in the campaign before it and the, and the reelection campaign. Um, uh, and I think it makes him more prone to want to get back in and make a difference. I think the one thing, I think there are two things he cares about. The first one is how well do we do in the midterms? Is it kind of a, it's okay? Or is it a spectacular smashing win? And number two, um, how does he feel physically and mentally about doing the job? He watches Joe Biden do this job and he feels like Joe Biden has no self-respect. No self-respecting person would put themselves in a position where they could look so enfeebled and by the way, make us all so dangerous. I mean, what China and Russia is doing, it's very dangerous for this country. Well, my view is he could get us incinerated. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, playing around, he's playing with fire. And, and these people know. in his administration don't have a clue what they're yeah. doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. and or they, maybe they do, and that's even worse. Yeah, and they know that, they know, these foreign uh, powers know that they're facing a, a very weak president, and they know they can take advantage. We are not equipped to handle what's coming our way. They could say what they said about Trump and Macron and all those fancy elitists could be like, oh, I, we didn't like Donald Trump. He was so, you know, he would talk to us rudely or whatever, but they were scared of him. Well, they I, knew that he, he could face the Chinese president and be like, this is what we're doing. And you know that President Xi would, in his own way, say, I'm not going to mess with President Trump. And that's exactly what we would happen. And Trump said that about Xi. Yeah. And he also said, about, I think they all felt like, don't mess with don't each mess other. Don't mess with each other. I Peter Pry and Mike Waller on last week, and we talked about national defense. And Peter said something extraordinary. He said that, uh, you know, Russia, if it wanted to, could take Ukraine in 72 hours. Absolutely. And all of the NATO countries, yeah. 72 hours. And the Pentagon has done like 18 war games about what would happen if we try to defend Taiwan. And we lost all 18. Yes, we will. We'll lose it. Yeah. So we've got a rough three years ahead of us or two years and eight months. I, I also thought the other thing that happened on your show, which I retweeted, which I thought was wonderful, was this whole idea of we had the next Tiananmen Square, which basically what Hong Kong was. But if we had the next Tiananmen Square, all the elites in America wouldn't be with the guy standing before the tank. They'd be with the tank driver. Yeah, look what they did in Canada. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's where they are. Well, there was, I mean, a, authoritarian. There was a Babylon Bee... Um, which they're just so um, creative, and they had Trudeau watching the Tiananmen Square, you know, like... There you go. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, you know, he's waiting for the next, what's going to happen here. But, you know, you, you look at Trudeau, who will refuse to sit down with these truckers. Refuse. He spends his time calling these people hateful, racist, all these horrible things. He refuses to sit down with them. He's like, he is not a leader. You have to listen to your people. And he, and there is a case of someone who I just think has been a huge disappointment. Well, you started out as a disappointment. It's he gotten did. worse. It's gotten worse. So I've got to yes. ask you about Trump, and then we got to get oh, out yes. of here to be continued. Yes. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? So I think it's more 50-50. I think Matt puts a higher percentage on Trump running. Um, you know, I think for him it's about can he win. And I think that it's all going to be can he regain the trust of, for example, the suburban women who I think really have 
you know, struggled during, in that 2020 campaign, we lost a lot of the support of the suburban women and independent voters. So can he regain their trust? Can he bring them can, over can he to get, their side? Can he somehow take the school issue, the CRT, the masks, the lockdowns yeah, in the schools and make he, it his issue? Because that's, if he could do one thing right. with suburban women that would that would adhere him to them is to take that up as an issue and mean it. Well, the thing is, I think they have to get they they have to get to the point where they're like, okay, fine, he's going to tweet out what he's going to tweet out, but at least under him we were safer. At least under Trump we were more prosperous as a nation. At least under Trump, um, you know, there was more stability in this country. I think that you've seen these women um, really kind of with Biden. They've stayed quiet. They're not saying anything. They know that Biden is a failure, and they know that um, the Democrats are pushing now, are pushing this agenda that's infuriating them. Well, can I, you guys talk with him, and obviously we can't get into inside baseball too much, but I think he needs to hear that he's got to stop talking about 2020. Him talking about that election and it was stolen, and we believe it was stolen, but so what? Nobody really cares about that anymore. They care about what he's going to do for them. My now. advice to him always is, um, and I'm afraid with this with this report that uh, really was spying, and he's going to spend his speeches, you know, 50 minutes on on I was spied on, and not so much on what he's going to do. Well, next. but the, but the this thing is, is infuriating. Yeah, but on the spying, I think yeah. it almost it, it takes the focus off the election, right? And we get down to the brass tacks of what's going on in this Biden administration, what happened with Barack Obama as well. Yeah. Prosecuting the case against these tyrants, these socialists who are really destroying all these American norms, I think is a more constructive conversation. On the election, I think what I fear is that, that if we don't talk about it, um, we, uh, we, we enable them to get away with it again, because they'll do it again. So you said I'm just saying proportionally. Yes, that's right. Maybe it's the president not focused it's a, about it. Let, yeah. It's a Get springboard some to do the it. Speak about it as a springboard yeah. to what you would do differently. Yeah. So I think he has to talk about it, but he can't just neurotically focus on it because I think we all want to know what we're going to do to change things. Right. This has been fun. More to come. We're, Did that last like five minutes? What was I mean? How long? It takes. <laughs> So this is The Desecrators, a book everybody ought to have and read, uh, written by Matt Schlapp and, uh, and Deal Hudson. I suspect one of the third silent co-authors also sitting at the table. <laughs> she wrote the introduction. <laughs> I did so, write the introduction. Which yeah. was really She good. was my Thank editor. You. When I had COVID, she was editing it while I was lying on the I couch. I don't even know how I did not get COVID at that time because I was literally sitting next to him going, oh, God, please don't let me get COVID. But Okay, so... I didn't. He got it. <laughs> Sarah's off, off in this camera. She's got a lot to add to this. But she oh, she does. Yeah. She was too quiet. Uh, anyway, Mercy Schlapp, Matt Schlapp, thanks. We got, we're talking soon. I'll see you next week in Great. Orlando. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us on the Bill Walton Show. And we can be found on CPAC Now streaming on Monday nights. And we're now on the For America platform as well. And uh, all the major podcast platforms including YouTube most of the time, unless they choose to censor us. I think we got through this one. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.